Heavenly Father, we love you and praise you. And I just ask every man within the sound of my voice, every woman within the sound of my voice, would you build people, build faith. Oh Lord, breathe upon these moments. Help me help your people. Help me teach and encourage and inspire, correct where needed. Father, I just pray that you would help me communicate your word in such a relevant way. And I ask Holy Spirit at the end of this service, God, that you would draw every person closer to yourself. I thank you for this now. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, be my foundation. One more time. Jesus, be my foundation. And everyone said? So the book of Revelation has some unusual parts of it about locusts. It's got dragons in there. It's got beasts in there. It's got 666 in there. It's got 12 stars. It's got 10 horns. It's got seven heads. It's got six wings. It's got four bowls. It's got two olive trees. And it's even got a partridge in a pear tree. Now, that was just for Christmas, but I hope you understand there are so many things going on. But the writer of the book of Revelation is a guy by the name of John, and he was on an island called Patmos, and he was being persecuted for his faith. And at that moment, in that time, an angel of God appears to him and speaks to him specifically. But what I want you to understand is that the first words of the book of Revelation itself is, it says this, the revelation of of Jesus Christ. And if we are to understand the book of Revelation, you've got to understand the book of Revelation is to reveal the true Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk to you about five names of God today, five names of Jesus that reveal to us who He is. Okay? Understand that we don't make up who God is. Right? We don't make it up. We discover it through the teachings of Scripture. We don't make it up. We don't change Him. No, He changes us. Does that make sense? If you're taking notes today, write this one down. Jesus is the the first thing. Jesus is the Alpha and He is the Omega. In Revelation chapter 1, 2, and 3, this is one of the major themes of who Jesus is. The Bible says in Revelation 1, verse 7 and verse 8, it says this, Look, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced him and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him so shall it be amen verse 8 I am the what and the what says the Lord God Almighty who is and who was and is to come the Almighty One. The first time Jesus comes back will be at that moment of the rapture of the church. He, he, church, he comes as a thief. The second time he comes, he, he comes, first time he comes, he comes for his church. The second time he comes, he comes with his church as the Alpha and the Omega, the, that is the Greek letters A to Z. He is the start and he is the finish, right? That is why it's so important to build your foundation of faith on the person of Jesus. Not even on this church, not even on a denomination, not even on attending church, but the person of Jesus. He is the first and he is the last. How is Jesus outside of time? Why? Because he created time. He is always and he holds it all together. The Bible actually says in the book of Acts, in him we live and move and we have our very being in him. In Colossians chapter 1, it says, for in him all things were created. Do you know that scientists today don't know what holds a cell together? 
They have looked into a cell and they, they, they just, there is this mystery about it. Even Albert Einstein, the genius himself, at first he went wild and arrogant on God and said, there is no God. He came to the end of his life and he says, there is something missing in all the, the, the science and the mathematician that says there must be something holding it all together. This is the alpha and this is the omega. This is the first and this is the last. He is before all things, Colossians says, and in him all things. Someone say all things. All things things hold together. Now, Revelation uh, 1.14 says this, his head. Now, this is John seeing a vision of Jesus. His head and hair were white. Someone say white. Some of you elderly people are feeling better about yourself. You're like, yes, see? No, it's not gray. It's white. White like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. A lot of imagery in the book of Revelation. That's the word of God coming out of his mouth. His face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. How many of you have woken up in the morning, and you looked in the mirror, and you thought to yourself, oh... That's me this morning. My, my face is shining like the sun. Actually, it's the opposite, isn't it? You sometimes look in the mirror and go, oh my goodness, what is happening here? Right? The Bible says this, that uh, verse 17, when I saw him, this is John. Someone say John. Someone say a friend of Jesus. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and he said, do not be afraid. Isn't it interesting that the friend of Jesus, the one that put his head on Jesus, the one who was perhaps closer to Jesus than anyone else, all, all of the disciples, when he sees the resurrected Jesus, the, 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 the fullness of Jesus, it isn't like, hey, Jesus, my buddy, let's just have a little hug. No, no, no. It was, oh my goodness, that this being has created everything. And he falls at his feet, though dead. And then the Bible says this, when I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. Then he placed his hand on me and says, do not be afraid. I am the first, though, and the last. I am the living one, and I was dead. And behold, I am alive forever. I am alive, everyone say forever. forever. Come on, I am alive for what? ever why do you seek Jesus why do you need Jesus for eternal life because he's the only one that's alive for how long forever if you're going to ask for something from someone you better know that they have it if I need a million dollars I need to go to someone who's at least got two million dollars right if I need 20 million dollars I at least need to go to someone who's maybe got 50 million dollars why because they can't give what they don't have Why do you need to ask Jesus for eternal life? He's the only one who holds it himself. He is life. He has life. He does not, uh, you can't ask Buddha for eternal life because he doesn't have it. You can't ask Muhammad for eternal life. He does not hold it. You cannot ask a scientist, give me eternal life. He doesn't hold it. So if you want something, you better ask the one who who has it. Does that make sense? He holds the keys of death and, and hades. Number one is he is the Alpha and he is the, the Omega. Number two, the revelation of Jesus Christ is found in Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5. In this one, he is revealed as Jesus is the Lamb of God. Someone say the Lamb of God. 
Um, there is a moment, the book of Revelation, chapter 4, chapter 5, is one of the most awe-inspiring chapters in the Bible on worship to God. There is this moment where all this worship is going on, and then there is a secret seal. Someone say a seal. And the Heavenly Father is holding this one seal, and then there's this unusual moment where literally in heaven, the place of sinlessness, that everyone is like, no one can open the scroll and see what was in it. It was like it was so sacred that not even the angel Gabriel could walk up to it and read it. But then the Bible says that there was one found who could open the seal and he could read it. That was the Lamb of God. And here's what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 5, verse 6. It says, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders and they sang a new song you are worthy someone say worthy you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because what you were slain this is the gospel with with your what with your what with your blood you what you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And the Lamb of God obviously is found all the way back in John the Baptist. The first thing Jesus, sorry, John the Baptist ever said about Jesus is this, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, if you know your Bible, you'd go all the way back to Egypt. And when God is trying to get his people out of Egypt, out of Pharaoh, out of a limited uh, bound situation... They have to take a lamb and they take the lamb and they slay the lamb and then they put it over the doorposts of their house that is symbolic of you and I putting the blood of Jesus over the doorposts of our heart. Someone say our heart. A lot of things in the Old Testament are natural pictures of what we do in the New Testament spiritual pictures. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? The lamb of God. Um, in Revelation chapter 1 and uh, 1 to 3, he is the Alpha and Omega. Someone say Alpha and Omega. Now in Revelation 4 and 5, he is the Lamb of God. Someone say the Lamb of God. Number, uh, the third characteristic of Jesus that I want to describe to you today, and this is probably the one that sometimes hits us the hardest or at least the most scared of or you're not sure of, is this one. He is... Through Revelation 6 and 18, he is the righteous judge. He is the righteous judge. How many of you have ever, ever been wronged or know someone that's been wronged? Put up your hand quickly. Okay. And how many of you wanted to do something about it? Right. If someone was to kill your family, how many of you know you want righteous judgment on that person? Or if there was a rape or if there was something bad, there is a sense in you and me, I, there must be justice for these moments. I want to tell you and, and describe to you today those moments when you want justice are an attribute of the Father. They are an attribute of God. They are an actually, now sometimes we do it wrongly and sometimes our motivations are wrong in it, but understand how many want justice on the earth? You want some situations to say, wait, wait, no one, no one caught that murderer. I want that judged. What you are saying is there's something in me out of an attribute of God that God has implanted in me, so now I want justice. Now, when it comes to you, how many of you want mercy? When you do something wrong, how many of you want mercy? Say, I. Right? How many of you, when someone else does something wrong, you want justice? That's where we get it all wrong, right? We want mercy. How many of you, when you get a parking ticket, the police pulls you over, 
You're like, oh, mercy. <laughs> How many of you, though, when you're lined up in traffic and someone takes on the shoulder and you're sitting there and you're like, I hope the police gets him. <laughs> Why? Because you want to go the same route. But you don't. And then you see him pulled over later and you're driving past and like, huh, <laughs> what happened? <sighs> Ain't so cool now. It's always interesting that we want mercy for ourselves, but we want justice for other people. Uh, how many think if you cheated on your taxes, you'd want mercy from the IRS? How many think when a big company does it, you want justice? Isn't it interesting that we often want mercy for ourselves, but we want justice for everyone else? But justice and mercy, the Bible says this, are the foundations of his throne. They are the foundation of who God is. Justice and mercy are the foundation of who God is. Understand this about God. He never wants to give judgment. He always wants to give mercy. The book of Ezekiel says this statement over and over again. It says, I take no delight in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. It says this, now repent and live. Second uh, uh, Peter 3 verse 9 says, He's not slow as some would consider slowness. He does not desire any to perish, but all to come to salvation. Does that make sense? When you hear a preacher preaching and it doesn't sound like he wants mercy, he wants judgment on everyone, you've got to understand his motives sometimes are a bit off. Because the reality is God wants to give mercy. But when God wants to give mercy and people fail to want to receive that mercy, he has to, because he is just, he has to now give judgment. Otherwise, God is not good, and otherwise, God is not just. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? Jesus is the righteous judge. In, in, if you want to read the book of Revelation, Revelation 11, the temple in Israel is rebuilt. There's an antichrist that will literally rise up and institute the mark of the beast. Anyone heard of the mark of the beast? It, it's, it's a thing that will come on people's head and come on people's hands. And whether that's symbolic or not, that's, that's another question. Um, there will come a time in Revelation 13 where the Antichrist is killed and he is literally raised to life. And that is why people will put their hope. Someone say hope in him. But God appoints these two witnesses, and this is pretty cool, so you should read it by yourself, Revelation chapter 3, I'm not even going to, sorry, 11, I'm not even going to tell you all that these dudes do, let me just tell you, these guys are bad to the bone. Like they have the power of Elijah, and there will come a time, the Bible says, that they will be killed though, and then here's one of the, the here's one where, where people that are prophetic when it comes to the Bible think why we're living in the last days. Here's one of the reasons why they think they're living in it. Because when the two um, witnesses, they will be murdered. And the Bible says this, that the whole earth, every tongue and tribe and nation will see their murder. And the reason that, that theologians say that this is what, wait, we're living in that time, because in no other time in history could we say that. In, think before TV, before internet, you could not say that the whole world will see that death. But what's interesting now, how many know that our information and our media is instant? Something happens in Australia, a koala falls out of a tree, you know on Facebook, right? You know immediately. When the Middle East is, bad things are happening, you know immediately. When something's happening in the third world country, you and I can know immediately. When Justin Bieber falls out of a tree, you know immediately. It doesn't matter what it is, right? Um, he might have swung in like a wrecking ball. It doesn't matter, right? You, we know things, okay? Now, some of the things we know, they're useless. 
How many know that? <laughs> um, and so one of the reasons that, that theologians say, well, there's a number of things that have happened to do with the end times. Now, if you are new to, new to this series, let me give you this word of caution here for a second. Now, don't just run out of church if you haven't joined us in week one, week two, week three. Please go back and watch week one, week two, week three. Why? Because otherwise you'll run around going, at the end times, change, turn a burn, you're going to hell, and, and so forth. But what I really want you to understand is this. You should be ready for Jesus to come back. You should plan for the next generation. Too many Christians have been foolish for many, many years. And I say many, many years because every generation has believed that Jesus would come back in their lifetime. Let me ask you this question. Do you believe it's the end days? Some said yes, some said no. Let me say this. It's your end days. This is your one shot, one shot to serve Jesus for the rest of your life. So whether Jesus comes back tomorrow, I want you to be ready. But if he comes back in 500 years, I want you to be lived ready, but plan for the next generation. Does that make sense? So if you run to the mall and say, spend all your money on credit cards because Jesus is coming back in a couple of weeks, you have to pay them. You're an idiot. Does that make sense? Okay. I'm not sure if I have time to go into some of those things, but let me just go over this real quick. Revelation 1 and 3, he is the Alpha and he is the what? The, the Omega. Revelation chapter 4 and 5, he is the what? He's the Lamb of God. In Revelation chapter 6 verse 18, Jesus is the righteous judge of the earth. In Revelation chapter 19, now and 20, watch this, number 4, Jesus is the King of Kings. He is the King of Kings. Watch this now. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse. How many want to come back somewhere on a white horse? Just because that's what winners and champions do. Anyway, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. His he has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Man, Jesus is bad to the bone, isn't he? Verse 14, the armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Speaking of the righteousness of God that's imputed unto you and me. Verse 15, out of his mouth... This happens all the time, comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. That's the word of God coming out and, judge, and judging. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. His, he has this name written. What's this now? King of kings and what? Come on, king of kings and what? Uh, Jesus doesn't need your ballot. Jesus doesn't need you to vote for him. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We live in a democratic country. That's awesome. But when he comes back, he's not getting elected. You don't go, well, I choose Buddha. No, no, no. He's the King of kings, right? And he is the Lord of lords. He's appointed by the creator of everything, God Almighty, to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is why if you're a Christian here, you should or must honor obedience. Part of discipleship, I think sometimes we, we, we love grace. How many love grace? 
But the Bible says that we are to make disciples of all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then it says this, and teach them to obey. Someone say obey. obey. See, a Christian really obeys, not because he's just this fascist rule keeper, but because he understands who Jesus is. He obeys Jesus because he's the king. He obeys Jesus because he's the Lord. Does that make sense? If my foundation is on Jesus and he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, therefore I live an obedient Christian life. Why? Because Not because I just I have to and I fear God, but he's Lord. And, he, and he's Lord of all. God doesn't want to be a little Lord a tiny bit. Let me give you that one-tenth of your heart and I'll be Lord of that section of your heart. I've actually found that the heart, the part of the heart you give God is the part he'll bring health to. But then you're like, well, Lord, I want dysfunction in my other 90% of my heart. Most times, hear me now, where Jesus isn't Lord, you have dysfunction. When Jesus isn't Lord in certain areas of your life, you either have pain or you will have pain in it. When Jesus isn't Lord, understand this, we don't break the Ten Commandments, they end up breaking us. Where Jesus isn't Lord of your life, over time, there will be a lack of peace in those areas, a lack of health in those areas. The Father wants to bring health into every area of my life and your life. So if Jesus asks you to do something, what's your answer? Let's say that again. I think that's important. If Jesus asks you to do something, what's your answer? See, you can't say, no, Lord, because he's Lord. Otherwise, you're going to go, no, not sure who you are. Does that make sense? Yeah. Number five, and I need to close. Max, can you come in? Number five, how many uh, are tracking with me still? Yeah. I am almost at the final part of the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, chapter 21 and 22, I want to tell you this. Jesus is the bridegroom. This is... The attribute of God that is revealed the most in this final section. Jesus is the bridegroom. Watch this now. Revelation 21 verse 9 says this. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride. Now sometimes men we go, oh, what do you mean? I'm the bride of Christ. It just simply means you'll be joined to God forever. That's simply what it, it really is what it means. Does that make sense? Okay, then the, the, the Bible says, the wife of the lamb, verse 10, and he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. The city, watch this now, so cool. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the lamb is its lamp. Verse 17 says this, watch this now, the spirit and the bride, which is his church, what do they say? They say what? The spirit and the bride say what? They say, come, why? Jesus is inviting every person to relationship with him. And guess what? That's why the church is always inviting people into relationship with him. Why? Because the spirit and the bride say, come. Now it come to what? He says, whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever, that's everyone, whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Verse 20, the last two verses of the whole book of the Revelation. 
It says this, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Then it says, come Lord Jesus. Now watch this, verse 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with God's people. In Revelation chapter 1 to 3, Jesus is the Alpha and He is the Omega. He is the first and He is the last. In Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5, He is the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. In Revelation 6 to 18, He is the righteous judge of the earth. In 19 and 20, He's the King of kings and He's the Lord of lords. And finally, in the book of Revelation 21 and 22, He is the bridegroom coming back for His people. I'm going to have Magno sing this song. And I just want this to be, honestly, a a prayerful moment. And I'm going to come back after the song and just pray for a couple of people. But here's what I really want to challenge, church. Can I encourage you with this thought? Is your foundation, if you're a Christian in here, is your foundation on the person of Jesus? And I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to every single person in this room, whether your mind or heart, and give you the right pictures that God would give you. But understand this, is your faith on a denomination? Is your faith on your mother's faith or your father's faith or my wife's a good person? Is your faith, what is your faith on? Is it on the foundation of, of Jesus? And that's for every Christian in here. And if, it's, and if you're here today and you're not sure you're a Christian, I'm going to come back in a moment and just invite you as the Jesus and the Spirit and the bride say, come, if you're thirsty, you'll come. So in a moment of prayer right now, listen to these incredible words and I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to every person right now. the 
youth on Friday night and uh, the mist machine that we used had set the fire alarm off. All of a sudden this alarm goes off and it's loud and gets everyone's attention and we had to obviously vacate the building and so forth and get out and then the fire inspectors come and they check out the building just making sure there isn't a fire and so forth and it all of a sudden hit me that God has given you and me an internal fire alarm system. When you have no meaning and no purpose in your life and you know it and you feel empty, I feel like that's a fire alarm system in you that says something is wrong. And that was the Father and He built that into you. He literally built into you and into me. I remember 18 years old, going to bed at night and just after high school and just go, I just had no meaning. I just had no sense of direction. And there was a fire alarm in me that said, wait, you are made for a reason. You are made for a purpose. And so I just want to encourage someone, listen, if you feel like you are empty, if you feel like there's no meaning, no purpose, it is a fire alarm on the inside that says something's wrong. And the God of heaven put that there, not so that you'd ignore it, but He, he, he wants you to respond to that. Number two today is this. I, I'll tell you one quick more story. Uh, I was at soccer the other day and I was helping coach my son and my daughter had literally um, was playing with someone and was looking this way and then all of a sudden turned as she was running and she ran flipping straight into a tree. And then all of a sudden she runs back over to me. She's screaming, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And she's got blood literally screaming down her face, down her just nose. There's blood in the teeth and so forth. And I was like, oh my goodness, what is wrong? And, and what I've realized is that a lot of people are trying to hide their mistakes from God. They're literally, they're literally like, no, 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 I can't come to God now because I need to clean up my own face and I need to clean up my own blood. And, and understand this, God is not surprised when you've run into a tree. God is not surprised when you've done dumb things, right? He knows you're a human. How many of you have ever done something dumb? Say, I. Okay, you've run into a tree before. You've run into the Ten Commandments. You've run into dumb stuff before. We all have. No one has not done that. But understand this, the Father wants to just grab you and love you and He wants to clean it up. He wants to make sure you're okay. He understands. Hey, with me, church, I want to pray for some of you right now that have you honestly, there's a fire alarm on the inside that says something's wrong, something's missing, you don't have a relationship with God. Others of you, you've literally run into a tree. And to be honest, some of you may be running away from God. He's like, oh God, I need to clean up my own bloody mess. No, He's the only one that can clean up your bloody mess with His Son's bloody mess. It's called the cross. Are you with me? So we're gonna bow our head, close our eyes right now and just pray for some people. Father, I pray for every person I pray for my life and every person within the sound of my voice that perhaps if the foundation is not right, that right now through the Word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would shift some people's foundation right now. I pray for others whose fire alarm is going off, no meaning, no purpose, emptiness about life, knowing that perhaps you said yes to Jesus, but 
He's not the Lord. He's not the Lord at all. You have not been seeking Him. You believe in Him, but you haven't been seeking Him. You've been seeking your own stuff. And a fire alarm's going on on the inside. And I want to say today, God wants to turn off that fire alarm. But He can only do it when you say, Jesus, be the Lord of all. Others of you today, to be honest, there's a mess. You've run into a tree. And you might be hiding it from God, but I want to tell you God is good. My, my daughter ran to me because she knows that my, her daddy's good and that he would fix it and he would clean it up. When you run away from God, you're saying you're not good, but I want to tell someone in here today, he's good. And so you can run to him and bring your mess to him and he will clean it up. So Father, in Jesus' name, take every circumstance, take every situation. If there are those who are saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, or perhaps you're saying yes to Jesus, and can I be honest? You might have said yes to Jesus 10 times, but today you need to make Him the Lord. You need to make Him the Lord. And this prayer, I'm going to include every single person in this prayer, but this prayer is to make Him the Lord, the Lord of your life, the healer of your soul, the filler of those places that are dead and empty in your life. So right here, right now, why don't we just pray this simple prayer together? Jesus, right now, I make you Lord. I bring to you my emptiness. I bring to you my lack of purpose. I bring to you my mistakes. And I ask you now, God, heal me where I need it. Fill me where I need it. Forgive me where I need it. Today, I stand on the foundation of Christ Jesus the one who loves me, the Alpha and the Omega, the Lamb of God, the righteous judge, the King of kings, the bridegroom. I put my faith in who He is. In Jesus' name, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you meant business with God right here and right now, you know without a shadow of a doubt, you prayed that, you've been empty, He hasn't been Lord, you've, you've, you've been running from Him. Would you quickly raise your hand all across this place? Come on, raise your hand, raise it right real high. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, another guy over here. Come on, quickly, just raise your hands and raise it up high. Thank you for those responding to Jesus. Thank you, sweetheart. Anyone else? Just quickly, just go, yeah, that's me today. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed about it. Awesome. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Church, I'm going to have you stand to your feet right now. Come on, Abba, you can take this. How many of you received that word today? Come on, how many of you received that word today? Now, those of you that raise your hand, I want to do something just quickly. I want to do something. I want to, I just want to pray for you. For one minute, I want to shake your hand. Those of you that responded. Now, here's, here's kind of a moment in church where sometimes it can feel a, bit, a little bit difficult. But man, I just think there's something powerful. If you can step out here, then you can stand out out there. If you can't step out in here where, where you're going to be hand clapped and, and, and encouraged, then it's hard to stand out there. Jesus said, if you'll acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father. And so I just want to um, quickly pray for you right here and right now. So I'm going to have our connectors come. And if you raise your hand today, don't be embarrassed about it. Can, can we give them a hand as they come, church? And just, would you come right now? If you raise your hand, you meant business with God, come now. And I'm going to have anyone else who, from our connect team come. Come on right now. If a friend raised their hand, 
You can come with them. Come on, come on, big guy. That's awesome. Come on. Others of you that raise your hand, that's awesome. Just stand right here, buddy. Right here. Awesome. You can still come if you need to. Father, I thank you. I thank you for every hand raised, but I thank you for the boldness to come out and say, God, I need to make you the foundation of my life. I've been sometimes running from you. And so Spirit of the living God, friend, come behind him. Spirit of the living God, would you fill this man? Fresh in you. Fill him with purpose. Fill him with meaning. Oh God, he's bumped into trees, just clean him up. Spirit of the living God, over his mind and heart, imagination and memory, may this day be a day of transformation, I pray, in the mighty and majestic name of Jesus. Spirit of God, Spirit of God, Spirit of God, breathe on your son today. Breathe on your son today. In Jesus, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. sure someone else goes with Fran too. Yeah, thanks Joe. Thank you. He's coming. We're getting there. Come on, can we give them a hand? You receive that word today? Come on, can we give Jesus a hand?